Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm here with my last interview of the uh, WPPI conference and trade show here at 2018 uh, with my new friend, Jeff Watkins. Jeff, thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks so much for having us. You know, super excited to be here. Great week at WPPI and, you know, tons of learning, tons of connections, tons of tons of getting to know people in the industry and kind of connecting. So it's been a good week. Yeah, and it's been an interesting week, too, because uh, it's a pretty significant change from last year. They, they shifted locations. I think some photographers had a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth from the location and the way that the, the show was ran last year. This year, it's a big improvement at Mandalay Bay uh, Resort and Casino, and, and the um, the conversations, the interactions seem to be a lot more, I don't know, I guess vibrant. People are seeing each other in the hallways and having conversation. Last year, it was a lot more complicated because... The, the trade show was in one place, and then the casino was in a different place. Other people were staying away from the trade show and casino. It just it was kind of disconnected, so it's a lot better experience this year. Yeah, I totally agree. I was a little bit disconnected last year, but walking in and kind of seeing the whole, the whole experience of WPPI, you can definitely kind of feel it. The vibe's a lot more positive. There's a lot more quality connection. You can just hear it in the side conversations and, you know, the talks in the room and what people are having to say about the different speakers an environment, just environment overall, you know, from the expo, et cetera. So, yeah, Mandalay Bay really does it well. Um, it's a nice facility, nice venue. I think it's probably a good choice to, to come over here. We'll see what the future holds, but definitely enjoyed it. So, Yeah, conferences and trade shows, I think they're, they're continuing to, uh, to change, both the, the environment themselves, what they're like, how many people are attending, how big the trade shows are. But I think photographers are drawn more and more to that smaller trade show and conference environment too. I know at, at, at Photographer's Edit, we tend to want to get involved more with the smaller conferences because it encourages that kind of genuine conversation and relationships even more and really appreciate that. But yeah, it'll, it will be interesting to see how, how this trade show and conference continues to evolve. I want to start our, our conversation off with something that we do at the Boca podcast called the aha moment. And very simply, this would be like the toughest or most difficult lesson that you've learned as a business, a photography business owner so far. What comes to mind when you think of that? That's a pretty easy thing for me to talk about. Uh, difficult moment, but but it came to mind very quickly. So for the listeners, those those of you who aren't maybe aren't familiar with my story, you can check that out on the website. But um, in the big picture, the, the aha moment for me was when I first started, I was so focused on am I doing this thing right? This thing meaning wedding photography, a photographer, you know, what is this guy doing? What is that photographer doing? And the, the comparison battle. And that will beat you up quicker than anything under the sun. So the big aha moment for me was being confident in my faults, knowing that I'm human and clients don't expect perfection. They expect quality and quality business and quality integrity, things of that nature. But being okay with where my faults are at and not letting those hinder. Now, obviously, you want to grow on your faults and improve in those areas, but being okay with where you're at with your faults and knowing where you want to be. So that was a, a big aha moment, kind of wrapping my head around that thought process and being able to you know, navigate day-to-day. -day. 
How long ago did that realization happen? And when, when you had that realization and, and I guess you decided to be, to kind of let that go and move forward, be more proactive as a business owner, putting yourself out there, what changed in your business when that happened? So I would say that happened probably about three years ago, maybe a little bit less, but roughly three years ago. It was kind of like, you know, you hear the, the saying, the light switch moment, the light switch kind of flipped on in your head. You know, that might be a little cheesy, but it literally was like a light switch that flipped on in my head. And I was like, oh my God, like everything in life, everybody's the same. Um, we're all human. We all screw things up. I'm no different as a business owner. And I don't think that my clients expect anything different. They expect how you handle those things. But when I realized that and started approaching, um, approaching business differently, you know, I, I used to say, uh, we don't do everything perfect. We screw up sometimes, but when we do, we fix it. Um, I think it's that simple. I think when you just when you're transparent in your personality and your business, and just come down to the level of, hey, I'm just like you. I just happen to be offering a product that you need. The the relationship opens up a lot better. Um, you're able to cultivate a relationship with your clients, and you know, with us, the it's all about the experience. So coming down to that level, kind of a personal level, slash still professional level. It's probably the most beneficial thing that we have incorporated, I guess you could say, in our business and our brand. So it's definitely a positive thing. And honestly, it makes a business run easier. Uh, once you realize that, you're not worrying about all the, you know, all the junk to the side. But yeah, just being able to focus on that makes waking up every day a little easier. <laughs> yeah, you take the pressure off yourself. But you made a point about the importance of continuing to improve, which is... Uh, very much along the lines of what we're going to be talking about a little bit later in our conversation. But before we get there, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. And uh, you've got an interesting backstory, too. You, you weren't always in photography, but share, and maybe this is the kind of the random fact about you, but share something random that most people don't know about you. And then we'll talk a little bit about your backstory as well. So random fact, I guess most people wouldn't know. I'm actually a classically trained chef. So I was a chef for about 10 years at some of the nicer resorts across the country and I'm a musician so my first kind of love that I fell in love with when I was younger was um, a drummer I'm a drummer so I was a musician for a while and had some scholarship opportunities when I was coming out of high school for that that I ended up turning down full scholarships to go to culinary school of all things <laughs> um, so yeah I guess that would probably be the the random fact that most people don't know it's a little strange of how that ties into photography but it does. <laughs> and we'll actually get to that here in just a little bit. But tell us more about your family, too. You were talking about your wife earlier, but tell us a little bit about your family. So I have, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world, uh, Tiffany Watkins. I have a six-year-old son, Cohen Levi. We are, uh, we live in Arizona. My wife's from there. I'm originally from Alabama, but the short version, we met each other in Colorado while taking part in a, uh, a couple of different things that were related to like Church Leadership Academy and things like that. We met each other there and, you know, maybe I fell in love a little quicker than she did, but <laughs> but fast forward, you know, we kind of hit it off and it's all downhill or uphill from there, I guess, which way Whatever you want to look at it, yeah. Whatever the most positive right. one is, yeah, yeah. What do you guys, what do you guys like to do as a family? Like, how do you, how do you like to spend your time together? So the great thing is we have, we have a lot of time together. So being a business owner and my wife uh, working for her parents employed by parents we have a little more time together than most so it's great but uh sports are a huge thing my wife we always say my wife's the guy of the relationship um yeah she's an avid sportsaholic so we love it you know baseball football we love taking our son our our biggest thing since the business has expanded since my business has expanded in the last 
probably a year or two internationally. Uh, we've always enjoyed taking my son traveling. You know, he's six, just turned six in September. Um, we took him to Paris this year. We've t- taken him to Nashville this year. So um, it's kind of something that we've jumped on, and we enjoy as a family. We enjoy traveling and seeing different parts of the world. And, you know, having the opportunity and the blessing to be able to do that is just super cool. So it's funny to wake up in the morning and, my son and I kind of have a tradition. We get up super early at like 5 a.m. and have bacon and eggs together. And he asked the other day, he's like, so, Dad, when do you think we can go back to Paris? Or maybe it's Iceland this year? And to hear that from a six-year-old is kind of strange. But at the same time, it's super cool because we can relate. Um, we can relate on different levels with things that we love to love to do and enjoy doing together. So, Well, you know, a lot of people talk about waiting until their kids are a certain age to take them on trips. Um, I, I love that you guys are already just very proactively taking them along, even to a place like Paris. Uh, I think it's really beautiful. And, and this is something we've talked about on the podcast more as of late, but it, that type of travel lens uh, perspective and the development of a worldview, even with a kid who's only six years old, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I grew up in like a little different environment and I didn't travel that much when I was younger. And when I started traveling, so I lived overseas in Southeast Asia for a little while, about 10 years ago. And it really opened my eyes to other things in the world. You're not so landlocked, per se, just to see the different culture and the different, like you mentioned, worldview. I think that's so important um, at developing and growing and kind of what you contribute to society. So my wife and I always said that we considered it so important to, as soon as we felt comfortable enough, doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect when you do it, but felt comfortable enough to kind of immerse our kid into that and be able to see it and it's cool to stand back and see how a six-year-old mind works you know he doesn't realize he's on the other side of the world but to see how a six-year-old mind works in that and grow and educate and things like that um it's super beneficial and we love it you know just watching him learn and grow is and being a part of that super cool too so that's really beautiful and and again i love that you prioritize that time with him and giving him those experiences how do you guys create that time i mean you talked about the fact that you're a business owner and she works for her family's business so that brings some innate flexibility but are there certain things that enable you to be able to continue to run your business even while you're gone on a trip to a place like paris well fortunately the trips that he was able to go on paris we did an engagement shoot in paris so that was business but at the same time um it was an opportunity to take my family along so i think the family time we we make it of utmost priority it doesn't always happen. Like, for example, I'm not going to bring my six-year-old to Vegas. <laughs> but when the schedule allows, I try to make it a party that they go with me. Um, you know, see what dad does kind of thing. Because it's not just about traveling. It's about being example for my son and kind of seeing, you know, work ethic and, and that kind of stuff. It's not just about seeing the world. So with the business travel and, you know, whether it even be vacation, we we just make it a priority to schedule that in and I'll, I'll speak a little bit more later about scheduling but schedule that in because as a small business owner we we run like crazy and you're 24 7 sometimes um, and it's difficult so I learned early on that that had to be a priority to benefit my family as opposed to you know what it might turn out otherwise <laughs> well if, if you react to your schedule um, you're likely not going to have that time and and this is Again, this has been a theme on the podcast, but it's interesting how many of our guests that come on the podcast will speak to this very simple idea, which is they're proactive and just simply putting it in the calendar, scheduling it, prioritizing enough to to be proactive, to make it happen. 
And at the end of the day, you don't have to have a fancy tool or technique or, or otherwise in order to make that time. A lot of it's just prioritizing. You know, when people say to me, I'm busy, one of the things that kind of pops into my head is, yeah, what well, you're busy, but then you spend two hours you know, scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. How busy are you really? At the end of the day, we make time for what matters to us. And you guys are very obviously doing that. And I have a lot of respect for that. I think that's really, really cool. Now, back to your business. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your transition from the culinary world to photography. Talk a little bit about how you even got into photography in the, the first place. What's the backstory? Um, so I'll give you the brief version. Okay. <laughs> you can read it in depth on the blog, um, and I'll give you that, that link later. Maybe we can drop it in, in some stuff at the end. But the big picture, so like I said, I have a culinary degree. I was a chef for 10 years. My son was born with some medical issues that we weren't aware of, and I had taken a different position in the culinary world that was more of a quote-unquote 9 to 5, so I could be present at surgery and things like that. And that didn't quite work out as how I thought it. I was laid off by a text message. The day after Christmas, while I was in New York City, by the most wonderful boss ever. <laughs> and I've always said, you know, I'm a, I'm a completely transparent kind of guy. I've always said I was going to send him a Christmas card one year. Because that was kind of, speaking of aha moments later, that was kind of another aha moment. Had that have not happened, I don't believe that I would be where I'm at now. You know, from my religious side, I think there's always doors that open and God opens doors for you. But at the same time... I think that maybe God has to do things certain certain ways to get you to where he wants you to be. So I think that's a prime example of kind of where I'm at. So after that, I put out, I don't know, 30, 35 resumes with zero phone calls back. Not boasting, but culinary-wise, I should have been able to probably grab almost any job that I wanted. My experience is very deep. I worked at some of the top places in the world, and nobody was calling. So... You know, as a guy, you sit there, the first thing you think of is, you know, financially. Okay, I have a family, I have a kid, I have a wife, and I have, you know, a son with some medical issues that we need to address at this point in our life. How do I do that? And looking at the bank account wasn't really <laughs> giving me an option to do that. So it was tough, you know. And But as a, you know, as a leader of the household and as a father, I said, okay, what do I have to do now um, to provide for my family? So... A little bit of a rabbit trail, but it'll make sense in a second. My wife had actually, um, we'd ran a Kickstarter. She was recording a worship album just as a side project that she kind of had a desire to do. Well, I had forgot to budget for a photographer. Now, aside from that, I had never touched a camera. I had never had a desire to be a photographer. I had never, literally never crossed my mind. Well, when this happened, we were also in the middle of all these, you know, these, these tough times that we were dealing with. And I said, well, can't afford to pay a photographer. I'll just do it. I borrowed a camera and took some photos from my wife's album cover. And they came back and she said, wow, these are actually pretty good. <laughs> I guess we were expecting some, some, some junk. But she said, wow, these are pretty good. And my wife was telling me, you know, maybe this is what you're called to do. Maybe this is what you should do. My exact words, you are off your rocker. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I, how do you think I can support a family taking? At the time, we referred to it as taking pictures. Right. Um, we've all been there. So fast forward a few months and I had done it on the side, just frankly, to make the ends meet. I had a, you know, a $10 tripod from Target and a $50 Fuji fine picks. Like, and I was just surfing Craigslist, you know, just frankly providing for my family from week to week. And I landed a big, what I considered at the time, a big client, a substantial at the time amount of money. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Somebody's paying me this amount to take photos. Like, is this real? Maybe I can do this for a living. You know, maybe this is an opportunity. So 
I really stepped back and, you know, prayed about it and reevaluated it and decided to take, you know, with some conversation, decided to take the plunge. So I jumped straight into photography. You know, part of part of the business we teach is what I refer to as the business of wedding photography. And I say in that in that workshop, I started my business with $4.33 in the bank. Probably not the wisest thing to do, but at the time and considering the circumstance, that's what I had to do. That That's what I was given, the cards that I were dealt. So, um, yeah, I started the business with $4.33 in the bank and a prayer. And, you know, it's it's been so successful since then. I've, there's been some hard times. There's been some great times. But just like anything, it's led us to where we're at. You know, I always just like to say God opened the door and I'm along for the ride. Um, I'm probably a little more educated and knowledgeable than I was then. But, yeah, it's just cool to kind of step back and see how it works and go through it. What's the, I mean, having spent so much time in the culinary world and having all of that training, what about that world do you miss? <laughs> I like to say nothing at all. I mean, yeah, there was, it's a completely different, I was a different person then. There's part of that world that it's very community-based. You tend to spend a lot more time with your work family than you do with your real family. 90 hours, 100 hours a week, you know, early mornings, late nights. I don't miss that, but I would say what I enjoy is that that also relates to the photography field. There's the same type of community um, in the professional side of the industry as there was in the culinary industry, and I can relate that a lot. So kind of having those relationships and that community to lean on, it's kind of like a second family per se. So I enjoy that, but I guess... I don't really miss anything about it, to be completely honest. <laughs> Where, are there certain elements or certain things that you learn, maybe skill sets or otherwise, that you brought from the culinary world into your photography business? Most definitely. So latter, the latter part before my you know, culinary side of the career ended from a business standpoint is you know, budgeting or managing larger budgets. Being able to see, I think one of the things that has benefited me the most is you know, there were times we were managing as a chef, 10 million plus dollar budgets to being able to see that big picture and then step back and, you know, manage maybe not quite a $10 million budget. Right. But being able to relate that and see the big picture and break it down to a smaller standpoint, as far as, you know, the business side of being a photographer, it's definitely beneficial, you know, understanding how to stay in the black, understanding how to be a profitable business. I think I think one of the struggles in the industry itself, as far as wedding photography goes, there's such great talent, and it's so deep in talent. It's not so deep in knowledge when it comes to the business side. And, you know, it, it kind of hurts me to see talented people who don't maybe not quite make it for other reasons, for, for not being knowledgeable or not having a skill set to be able to manage a business side. You know, it's 90% business and 10% photography. So, yeah, definitely being able to relate that, you know, the financial portion of it, management side of it is great the other i guess the second thing would be the people skill side of it you know when you're talking about people's food people tend to get a little crazy <laughs> so being able to to relate from managing um the public in a culinary standpoint to managing the public as a photographer standpoint it's pretty similar and almost identical as far as how you relate and things like that so i i have to ask though i mean you're pulling the, these skill sets from your experience there but do you still take some time and cook some really great meals at home? I mean, is that, do you still get excited about doing that? I do. And babe, I love you to death, but she is probably one of the most picky eaters. Yeah. So I do cook at home. You know, my son, my son has a little broader palate than my wife maybe, but you know what? I'll cook her a PB&J if she wants it. You know what I mean? What's a favorite meal that you might prep for yourself if, if no one else? 
Oh my gosh. So we went on this keto fad lately. A steak cooked in bacon grease and a big twice-baked potato is probably my favorite, minus the potato for keto. <laughs> yeah, keeping it simple, that's awesome. Okay, so you create this photography business. How do you, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask, ask our guests because it's, I think it's very insightful on multiple levels, but what is your business's brand position? How do you guys actually set yourself apart from other photography businesses in your market? So to kind of tie on to what I said earlier, just a little bit, our brand position is the experience that we offer. So um, what we are selling, per se, um, is a client experience. I think, yes, we have a quality photography product, that kind of thing, but um, one of our pet peeves is when I meet a client and we decide that we're a great fit for each other, signing in a contract and, or seeing photographers that'll sign a contract and say, hey, I'll see you in six months for your engagement and a year for your wedding. Um, I think that's so not fair to the client experience um you're not you're not giving yourself the opportunity to cultivate that relationship um and to build trust from a client vendor standpoint client photographer standpoint um so for us the number one um as far as the brand goes and brand position is the experience that we offer you know creating a positive environment we all know that the wedding day and the wedding planning process is just extremely stressful over the top we don't want to be any of that we want our clients to know who we are from the beginning, know what they're investing in from the beginning, and trust us. And let and use us as a resource, you know, use us as a resource in that stressful planning process, you know. You've hired a professional for a reason, um, and trust that professional that you're doing, you know. So the experience is the number one for us. And how do you effectively communicate that, the significance of that experience to a potential client? I mean, is it through your website, or do you... Is it in the meeting when you get to meet them for the first time? How do you communicate that effectively? So I think as far as we go, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable face-to-face, person-to-person. So we keep a, a, a large open line of communication from whether it be an inquiry process all the way to a deliverable process. Um, we prefer everything to be face-to-face. So, you know, an open line of communication for any kind of questions that they may have or, or expectations that we set. Um, it might be something as simple as, a little extra welcome gift or a little extra, you know, deliverable gift at the end to show them that we care. Um, reaching out to them when they found the perfect dress, reaching out to them when we see them post on Instagram that they book to the force, whatever it may be. It's the simple things to let them know, hey, we're paying attention to you. Um, we're seeing, we're, you're not just another number on our calendar. Um, so to see that, that we care about, truly care about the commitment they're about to make and being a part of the process and creating the most memorable day that they could possibly imagine as an end product it's it's huge and we consistently hear it i would say 99 percent of the time after every wedding our clients come back and say we hate you because our relationships ended you know the wedding's over you've are we don't get to we don't get to you know have that experience with you we don't get to communicate with you anymore it's over and you know it's kind of a sad day so for them but on the opposite side we've developed out of that process you know we've developed some great friends and some great relationships and um, things that you wouldn't even expect so that says a lot about the experience that you're creating that's that's really really cool now you mentioned that you started with a i think you said a fuji fine picks camera (laughs) i'm curious now what you transitioned to like what's some of your favorite camera gear that you're using these days um so yeah i started with a fuji fine picks that looked like a dslr but like the lens didn't come off (laughs) so i'm an all canon guy we just made a couple of transitions i started with nikon and Due to just some, you know, some reasons that that didn't work well for our brand, we transitioned over to Canon about three and a half years ago. 
So currently Mark III, Mark IV is what we shoot body-wise. I just made the switch to all primes about two years ago. I had a large bag before. I still have a somewhat larger bag, but all primes. So we shoot, I think, five lenses now. 24 millimeter L is good. 50 L is always a go-to. 70 to 200. I don't think a wedding photographer can live without that. So that would be our only zoom lens that we work with, 100 millimeter. So that's pretty much what the bag looks like. 85, forgot the 85. So that's what we look like. I just made a, so I'm big on lighting, a lot of off-camera lighting, off-camera flash, stuff like that. I was using a Canon product for a while, and I've transitioned over to a Flashpoint product, which is essentially Godox light, but branded for Adorama. I transitioned over that with the lithium batteries and have seen drastic improvement from a lighting standpoint, from a recycle speed to durability, dependability. So I'm kind of I'm kind of loving that now. I'm still learning a little bit of it. Having a lighting product that's dependable and knowing how to manipulate it in certain situations is really good. So it's fun. You know, this whole this whole thing of being a wedding photographer is just another form of art and being able to, you know, create and manipulate your gear as well as your environment is just it's a cool process to be around. So that's really great. Well, and it's important to continue to be aware of the I mean it there's the technology is changing so fast and just saying that even is almost cliche but it really is true i mean constantly the new products that are coming out the technology is getting better the cameras are getting better it's good to be aware of that but at the end of the day i think it's important as well to to understand what it is that you're trying to do with your business the type of art that you're trying to create and then you you limit the equipment to those things that are going to actually support those goals i think that's really important but speaking of this idea of being self-aware and, and, and improving and looking for opportunities to improve, this is something that you brought up in our conversation leading up to doing this podcast. And you were talking about the importance of photographers maintaining a, a sort of self-awareness for the sake of continuing to improve their, their processes. And so I'm, I'm curious, have you always been a kind of a process-driven person? Did some of that come from being in the culinary world? Or is this something that, that you've become more sensitive to as a photography business owner? Yeah, so I would say in the big picture, um, I haven't always been a, a, a process-driven creative. In the culinary world, yes, it's all about processes and schedules and things like that. But I think, at least for my my uh, specific situation of becoming a photographer, I didn't have a clue when I started. I was all over the place, unorganized, flying by the seat of my pants, you know, day in and day out, just trying to make it work. And I quickly realized from culinary training that, wait a minute, I have to develop processes to be organized along this path of, you know, developing and growing and things like that. Um, But that doesn't mean the process can't change. So what I mean by being self-aware and kind of the importance of being self-aware is developing those processes, whether it be client experience to workflow, to wedding day workflow, to weekly workflow, whatever it may be, and being aware of where you're at now and where you want to be. So growing those processes and improving them, improving your wedding day workflow. What can I, this is what I do now. What can I improve within that workflow to to provide a better experience for a client? On a more practical level, talk to me about, because there really are so many different elements to the photographer workflow, right? Um, Especially working with a wedding client, the wedding day timeline and so forth. Um, give me a couple examples just on a practical level of, of processes maybe that you had in place or maybe didn't even have in place and as a result that, that ended up hurting your business. So early on, and I'll tell you kind of how we did it then and how we do it now, early on I didn't really consider or I didn't really think about 
maintaining control of a timeline. You mentioned timeline as far as the wedding day goes. I always look to our clients for that. You know, what is happening on your day and when? Well, I realized very quickly that that doesn't, from a creative standpoint as a photographer, that does not give us the time that we need or the organization that we need to create a successful experience. So instead of going that route, we've, we've turned it over to how to maintain control of the day without seeming like your client of, no, this is the way you're going to do it kind of thing. So from a positive note, how to maintain control as a photographer of your timeline so your client sees it as a positive and not really a negative. So, you know, talking them through and educating how the day works and how you photograph a day. And every photographer is different, so this is going to change from person to person. But the reason that you do certain things throughout the day and really organizing their day for them to be most beneficial for you. But at the same time, you're taking all of that work off of their plate, all of that stress off their plate. They don't even have to think about those things. So it's been so beneficial. Again, I keep saying client experience, but that little piece of the workflow and the lesson that we learned through there was a process that we had to begin with, but we, you know, we cultivated and changed that process to benefit us, but the bigger picture to benefit our clients. So it's definitely been probably a good example of that. That's just one example. You're talking about the timeline and being very proactive and maintaining a certain amount of structure to that timeline, right? Working with your client. Because at the end of the day, it does create a much better experience for the client when there is a bit of organization. The end result being, of course, that they have likely have much better images as a final product. Would you say that's one of the most, or I guess one of the areas of your workflow, your processes that you're most proud of? Are there other processes in your business that you're particularly proud of? What would those be? I would say the workflow itself from our client interaction is probably the thing that I'm most proud of. Being able to educate, you know, most clients, specifically wedding, come into us, they've never been married before. They don't know what to expect. All they've heard is what they've heard from their parents who probably got married 35 years ago. Things have changed drastically, and they're trying to manage that and create a dream that they have in their head. And it's our job to help them create that dream. But they're uneducated at that. So being able to come at it from a standpoint of educating them and helping them bring their dream to reality, I think is the thing that we're most proud of. So being able to, like I mentioned earlier, when it's all said and done to have a client come back to you and say, you know what, we, we hate this because our, you know, our relationship is somewhat over. You know, that's, I mean, that's huge, man. That's like puts a smile on your face and that's what it's all about because our only goal is, is to, for happiness in the end, to see that dream, you know, kind of explode and, and be even better than what they could have ever even thought that it would be. So that's what, that's what our, our number one thing is that I'm most proud of. I mean, we consistently hear back from our client that, that they enjoy, you know. With regards to that timeline, it's one thing to, to work with a client on that timeline, but in, with some weddings you have a wedding coordinator or a wedding planner. How do you coincide that effort to help proactively manage that timeline with the client um, when it includes or when the wedding day includes a planner or a coordinator? So that's huge. So a lot of our business comes from planners or coordinators, and it would be and most light their job to, to coordinate that. So if there is a planner and coordinator involved, we're proactive on making that relationship and that connection first and letting the planner and coordinator know that we're there to work with them and we're there to do our job and create a process that makes their job easy. It's their job to make sure the day is organized and goes smoothly. It's our job to make sure our part of the day is organized and goes smoothly. So working, I think it's so important to work with that planner and coordinator you know, with every, every photographer being different to say, you know, this is kind of how we do things. What can we do to make your day easier? You know, what can we do to, to make your planning experience better? Because at the bottom, at the end of the day, we're all, we all have one goal is to provide a service to the bride 
to where dreams are coming true, you know. It's all different pieces to the puzzle, but working as a team to do that is, is huge. Uh, yeah, I love that mentality of how can I, as you said, not just serve the, the bride, but even the wedding coordinator. How can I serve you? How can I help you? And that will help result in a better experience, overall experience for the bride. That's, that's huge. I love that mentality. So you mentioned this being one of the, the areas that you're most proud of when it comes to your processes, but we're talking about the importance of self-awareness as photographers. Is there a particular area in your business that you are aware of that needs some improvement? What kind of things are you doing to, to work on improving that side of your business? So definitely, yeah. You know, I think people don't really like talking about their weaknesses, but I think it's a growing point to be able to talk about your weakness. So for us, it's been like an, an organization side of the after it's over part. So whether that be files or whether that be anniversaries after the fact, being organized on following up. And just because the wedding's over, I don't consider it over. We want to still maintain that relationship to an extent and remember the special time. So, but our biggest, our biggest thing that I'd say needs the most improvement is file organization. You know, hey, wedding's done. We've got 4,000 photos in a folder. What do we do with it? You know, and I actually just made a great connection here um, with JPEG Mini at the show. And so what we're doing to improve that process is looking at different options. You know, what's working well for others? I'm a huge proponent of don't reinvent the wheel. So what, what's working well for others? How can I implement, implement that into our workflow? So um, just looking at different organization processes as far as files and photos and things like that go, whether, whether it be for the client or whether it be for a publication that we've submitted to. Um, so when that does roll back around, you know, I know where I'm at and where I left off kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's all about growing. You know, it's not always easy and you're not always the best at everything. But I think that, you know, the relationships that you develop in community and not reinventing the wheel and being able to reach out and say, hey, this is what I suck at. Like, what's helping you? You know what I mean? That's huge. That's really huge. And, and you know, as, as seemingly mundane as file organization yeah. and management may seem, it's actually really important because if you're shooting however many portrait sessions a year or however many weddings a year or you're doing commercial work or otherwise, you are talking about thousands and thousands of files. If you don't have a good system in place to manage those files and it's not easy to find those files when you need them, which could potentially then affect the, the process of delivering that finished product to the client, um, take up more time on your end when it comes to looking for those files to, to send off to an editor or to, to prep individual files for print or whatever it might be, it's ultimately going to hurt your workflow efficiency takes away from the freedom and flexibility that you can have a business as a business owner. That seemingly mundane thing of how do I manage my files can have massive effects on your experience as a business owner. So it's important to be aware of that. Right, for sure. You know, and you said mundane. It's it's typically the mundane things that probably are going to fall through the cracks quickest. For us, you know, we, we grew rather quickly. We've been in business for five years and it grew rather quickly. And now that I look back on it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but now that I look back on it, I probably or didn't put practices in place early on and that's why I hit, it has fallen through the cracks now but it's good that I consider it positive that I've realized that and do you know you just do the steps steps that it takes to catch up so yeah it's it's very important to keep the mundane things don't let them get lost in the workflow let's make this really practical for our listeners we share some actionable ways that they can learn that our listeners can be a little bit more learn to be a little bit more self-aware and stay on top of the processes in their business yeah, so a uh, couple ways. So going back to what I said earlier is being self-aware, um, being honest with yourself, with your strengths and weaknesses. It's not a big deal. You know, don't be the comparison, the comparison battle to from photographer to photographer. 
put that stuff to the side and know where your strengths are at and focus on those strengths and use them to your advantage. But take your weaknesses and improve upon them because one day, who knows, your weakness may be your advantage and you didn't even know it. So being self-aware of where you're at now and where you want to be then, one year, five years, ten years, and growing upon that and not letting it get lost is huge. That's probably our number one. The number two uh, for us, and it's probably pretty simple, but a different spin on the perspective is when it comes to clients, it's not hard to get business. It's not. All you have to do is listen to your client and give them what they want and the way that you're providing it. So, um, so many photographers, what I mean by that, so many photographers are focusing on the selling aspect when in reality, listen to your clients, let them talk, let them tell you what they want. And then just turn your conversation into, cool, this is what you want, and this is how we provide it. It's a no-brainer. It's so simple. And that's one thing that we teach in our in our workshop is the client experience and the ideal client experience is just listen. You know, sometimes it just takes a few minutes to step back and listen to what they want and provide it from there. The big thing, schedule everything. You know, I mentioned it from, and I'm not specifically talking just business. Schedule everything. Schedule date night. Schedule email schedule social media schedule everything it, it may sound kind of cheesy but for me everything is a tab on the calendar um and the reason why is it helps me stay organized in the big picture but at the same thing at the same time it helps me not uh forget the little things what might be little in the big picture but they still hold so much importance for example family time time with my son time with my wife things that i might be involved with in my church etc schedule 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 well, and I have to say, scheduling things, we're talking about this idea of self, or self-awareness, simply being proactive and maintaining a schedule and making sure everything is in that calendar is huge for the sake of, well, first of all, certainly workflow efficiency from a business standpoint, but then ultimately being able to create that space to prioritize the relationships in our life. That's, that's really, really big. Right, and the priorities are, are what's important there. At the same time, we're... You know, you go to you go out to eat. A restaurant's open from four to ten. We're not open from twelve to twelve. You shouldn't be open from twelve to twelve. Schedule those things. Let people know when you're available, and make the priority. You know, and fit everything else around that schedule. So as you go, you know, it just becomes a uh, it becomes another workflow and another you know kind of wheel that you're going through each and every day. And it's beneficial because you know, hey, from this time to this time, I'm going to answer social media. From this time to this time, I'm going to answer whatever. Uh, One thing that's helped us in that process is automation. Now, my disclaimer is I cannot stand it when I get a cheesy email kickback that you can tell is so fake and it's so unpersonal. For us, yes, we automate everything. I automate emails all day long. But at the same time, I want them to reflect that the client knows that or a potential client knows that we're thinking about them. Um, so they have to be professional and personal, but at the same time, now I don't have to stop and send this email to an inquiry, send this, whatever, you know, it's automated. Now, if I have time to reach back out within the next 10 minutes, great. If I don't, then I've already got a process that I mentioned earlier in place that has, that has created an experience or created a time frame for me to be able to, to reply within. So that's been the big thing, automation, as far as scheduling goes. The last thing that's I mentioned a number one earlier. Now I'm now I'm going to retract that statement. This is probably another number one. Um, what I like to refer to as the inner circle, um, creating an inner circle. You know, I mentioned earlier from being a chef to being a photographer. Um, those communities are huge. Um, there's things that people don't understand outside of those specific communities. So specifically speaking, photography. It's so important to create that inner circle of people that you trust, people that you can rely on, 
people that you can take the tough criticism from and be okay with it people that you can go to in the hard time you know what i mean i can name of a couple of, a couple of people now that i could call up at any moment and say hey this is what i'm dealing with help me out like what have you done and i always say um that inner circle just isn't the coolest person on instagram or you know the the fad hipster guy you met at wppi like that's not what it is the inner circle should always be a very small collection of professionals that are at a, that are already at a place that you want to be at and have established and shown a how they got there as far as that goes and and i think it's important to add to that too not just people that have the experience and they can speak from that experience but it's also the people that are willing to just truly be honest with you they're not going to hold back if, if you can go to them and as you say you can trust them but you can trust them to give you very very specific and direct and honest feedback they're not trying to massage your ego they're, they're being direct with you and what they see from their perspective and it's important to have those people in your life Right, it is, and you know, being being a business owner, most wedding photographers, they're the they're the photographer, they're the business guy, they're the accountant, they're everything. You don't have anyone to lean on in your business, so developing those relationships are of utmost importance. At the same time, yes, it can't just be the person that's successful, but it needs to be the person who's willing to help, who's willing to to pour into you, and willing to you know step out in some areas and be honest, like you said. But on the receiving end of that you have to be at a place where you're ready to receive that and receive it positively. You're not always going to hear like, you know, tulips and daisies. Like it sucks sometimes, you know, I've had people sit down and say, no, that was a dumb idea and you completely screwed it up, but I'm okay with that. Okay. Why? My question is always why, if you don't know if you're confused or don't know what else to do, why, why are you confused? Why was this a bad idea? Why did it fail? Why did it succeed? So just looking at those things and and knowing that that inner circle of people that you can trust and um, integrity is a big a big thing within that. Um, but you can trust them, and at the same time, that whatever those conversations might be, good or bad, you can trust that they're staying within that relationship. Um, because in a big picture, it could come back to bite you in some some areas, but at the same time, it could be very 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 beneficial in some areas. Yeah, certainly you want to find people that have your best interests at heart. But I love the, the fact that you pointed out it's important we, we set aside our, our egos as well. You, you can't have those honest conversations without setting aside ego and, and where you're truly looking for opportunity to improve. So this, this is a great, great point. I'd love for you maybe to just, in closing, share where our listeners can learn more about your business, what you're doing, potentially some of the educational efforts, some of the workshops that, you're gonna, that you'll have coming out. Share um, your website social media uh, with our listeners if you will for sure so uh, it's pretty simple everything's the same so color phoenix photographic company is the name of our business uh, you can find us everywhere by color phoenix so that'd be color with a k and then phx so and i challenge you to look up the blog and read why we did it that way so color phoenix on instagram at color phoenix uh, same on facebook at color phoenix color phoenix.com so yeah, look it up. As far as educational availability, there's a tab for photographers on the website. Uh, we keep that updated pretty well. There's a couple of opportunities now, you know, mentoring and things like that, workshops that we have coming up. Uh, the next, the business of wedding photography that I mentioned earlier, we have another one coming up in May that's available on that website. And then outside of that, the blog. There's a ton of free content on the blog that, that we put out there, you know, things that, that I've come across and been like, hey, 
this has been great for me. I need to get it out there for others. And, you know, some of it may not be the the best well-written things, but uh, when things pop in my head, I always want to get it out there to make it available for somebody else that might be going through the same thing. So, yeah, connect. I'm always available and, you know, pretty quick to respond. So I'm an open book. If there's any questions you guys have, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff, so much for making time for the podcast today and sharing with our listeners your, your experience. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.